Hello, and welcome back to the From Grief to Greatness podcast. I am Gerard, and I'm here with Christy and John. Hi, I'm Christy. And hi, I'm John. So today, we are getting to a podcast that I think we're all very excited about. We are going to talk about reading. We're going to be uh, getting into uh, some books that we have uh, been lucky enough to find, and books that have helped inspire us, ones that have really uh, helped to get us through some of the tougher times in our, in our lives. And so I know I, I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time now, so I'll, I'll get things started here. In the 11th century, a Japanese woman named Murasaki Shikibu wrote The Tale of Genji, a 54-chapter story of courtly seduction that is believed to be the world's first novel. So here we are, all these years later, still engrossed by reading. And what do we get from it? Is it simple pleasure, or are there benefits beyond enjoyment? Yes, there are. Reading strengthens your brain. It builds your vocabulary, increases your ability to empathize, reduces stress, helps prevent age-related cognitive decline, and it prepares you for sleep, which is an insomniac's blessing. <laughs> so, I was never really all that much of a reader uh, until I came into contact with my therapist, Carol. Uh, she got me started immediately on my first two. Uh, these books were You Can Heal Your Life, which is written by Louise Hay, and Mindfulness in Plain English, written by Bonte Hennepolo Gunaratana. In these books, I learned how to change negative thought patterns and of the beauty and power of meditation and the practice of Buddhism. I used them to benefit me in so many ways. But it's the next two that I'd like to go into detail about. The first uh, brought to me by Carol, and the second I found on my own. Going to Pieces Without Falling Apart is a Buddhist perspective on wholeness written by Mark, uh, Dr. Mark Epstein. Here I learned that completion doesn't come from adding another piece to ourselves, but from surrendering our ideas of perfection. I learned how to make Buddhism and psychotherapy really work for me. It quickly became my go-to when someone close to me was having a hard time. It's the type of book that you can read over and over again and discover a new deeper meaning each time you read it. I think the most powerful message it conveyed to me was, if you are feeling empty, then feel empty. I no longer try so hard to fill my life with distractions just because I feel uncomfortable with the emptiness. I just allow myself to feel it because it's only in this state of emptiness that we can learn to be with ourselves in a non-judgmental way and thus discover our true inherent selves. Until I read this book, I expected more from my meditation practice. And now I'm willing to simply enjoy the moments, the colors, the people, and any revelation that may present itself. Referencing psychotherapy, Buddhism, and meditation in a uniquely blended way, Mr. Epstein addresses human neuroses that undermine our lives through multiple examples, all leading to one conclusion. You do not need to be perfect to be happy. This book resonated with a lot of my personal experience in self-discovery and growth. Next up, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. With this book, it's as if the author studied me for a while and then wrote a book saying, here's what this guy is like. <laughs> <laughs> this author just gives a wonderful example of how we are at the mercy of every thought that arises in our minds. And we have no idea of what's happening. He shines a light on the process 
And if you're paying attention, you will discover one of the most important ideas you will ever learn. You are not your thoughts. Believing the opposite is something that has derailed and tormented me for most of my life. Now, I'm the kind of person who always thought that peace would come from just doing something different. But it never really happened. And this book just, it brought so many essential things to my attention. And now I just view life as experiences. And I don't hang on to the negative. I'm content with simple things. It's so much easier that way. So in my quest to understand this world and my place in it, I've read a lot of spiritual and philosophical books. Buddha's Brain by Jack Kornfield, Think on These Things by Krishnamurti, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, Reason for Hope by Jane Goodall, Flow by Sheikh Sent Mihai. All fantastic books that I would recommend to anyone, but I've never been affected so deeply impacted as I was by the untethered soul. It spoke to me. And to me, the advice was simple, but profound. Happiness is a choice. It is not circumstantial. I found myself highlighting entire chapters because everything he said reached me on such a deep level. Now, this, this man, uh, Michael Singer, respects all religious traditions and draws his wisdom from various sources. So no matter where you are spiritually, if you're looking for a way out of the cycle of depression and self-doubt, this is the book for you. I can't recommend it enough. So I, am, I have completed my part of my two books that I wanted to talk about. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, very good. I'm going to read that. Great, great stuff. Yeah, so Carol has recommended both of those books to me, has talked to me about them. I'm, I'm very familiar with them. They are excellent books. Mm -hmm. They really are excellent books. Yeah. Yeah. So, Christy and John, who would like to follow up? I guess I'll go next. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I also have a couple books that I also experienced with Carol that she uh, hooked me up with. Um, they are The Art of Dying by Osho and uh, How to Survive the Loss of a Love by There are Three Authors. Harold Bloomfield, Melba Colgrave, and Peter McWilliams, hmm. um, because it's more of a uh, anthology sort of book. Hmm. Um, the Art of Dying by Osho, uh, who was born Chandra Mohan Jhan, by the way, in 1931 in India, where he also died in 1990. Uh, it's about how death is not an event, but a process that begins at birth. And it's not a catastrophe, but the climax of a joyous life we've lived. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like the, uh, the old saying that um, it's not the journey, it's the destination. And he's saying, um, enjoy the journey, make the journey joyous, and don't be afraid of the destination. Mm. And um, there are, there's a quote by him that sort of goes back to what we were talking about last week, one of the quotes that I really like by him. And he says, God is not really the center of religious inquiry, death is. Mm. Without death there would have been no religion at all, which is a kind of a bold statement. Yeah. It is death that makes man seek and search for the beyond, the deathless. So when we were talking last week about um, how I was saying religion was universal, how every um, culture has religion in some way, even as, even as remote and untouched uh, a culture as you can find, that what religion really wants to do is to um, have a way to say goodbye to the dead, to celebrate 
the dead and to also have a reason to feel that there is something beyond um, death. And um, in The Art of Dying, he talks about saying that, you know, religion is there for man, as he says, to search for the beyond, for the deathless, to have something that is beyond death and to not have um, to be attached to um, life. And we talked about that also with impermanence. And he tells a story that's a very good story. And I won't read the whole story because it'll take too long, but I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase. Um, it's a story from the Upanishads, um, a uh, holy book uh, from uh, um, Hinduism. Uh, there's a king named Yayati, and death comes to him when he's 100 years old and says, well, it's, it's time to go. And Yayati is afraid to go. He trembles about the, uh, the, from the fear of dying. And he says, well, what if I can get someone to come for me? And he has 100 sons because he's had many wives, 100 wives. And he has sons that are 80 years old, 75, 76, you know, going all the way down to 16 years old. And he goes to all of his sons and says, well, one of you go for me. And, you know, the, the oldest, none of them step forward, 80, 75. And so all of a sudden, the youngest one, the 16-year-old steps forward. And he's like, death is like, are you sure you want to do this? You, you have, you've hardly lived your life. You have, you know, your whole life ahead of you to do this. And, and the boy says, this is the quote. No, I'll go with you. Just seeing the situation makes me completely certain. I am going with absolute awareness. I can see that if my father is not satisfied in 100 years, what is the point of being here? How can I be satisfied? I'm seeing my 99 brothers. Mm. Nobody is satisfied. So why waste time? Wow. At least I can do this favor to my father in his old age. Wow. I'll let him enjoy 100 years more. And the point of the story being... Be satisfied with your life. Don't be attached to it. Enjoy, like he said, enjoy the journey. Really enjoy what you're living. Don't be attached. And he writes, it's the attachment. You can go on living, but as the idea of death strikes you, you will start trembling. But if you are not attached to anything, death can come this very moment and you will be in a very welcoming mood. Oh. Death is the by those who are ready to die any moment without any reluctance. They become the immortals. They become the Buddhas. So it, it's very much about being satisfied with your life and not being afraid of death. And the fear of death is something that I I'm, think we all have. And it's, we've talked about impermanence, not just last week, but many weeks, right. the Buddhist idea of impermanence mm -hmm. and that um, we are all born to die. And that the sooner we accept that, the more at peace we will be in our lives. And that's really what the art of dying um, it's about. Mm -hmm. So with that said, how to survive the love, the loss of a love. Um, it provides numerous short uh, recommendations in the form of self-help blurbs or, and sometimes almost poetry for coping with pain and grief. And uh, there are two in particular suggestions that I like. Um, the first one, is uh, entitled, Do Your Mourning Now. And I'll read this little poem that they have. Grief is a quiet thing, deadly in repose, a raging horror, a thunder of abuse, raucous, demanding, incomprehensible, tearing all that one has ever lived. Hopeless, forlorn, fear-ridden and misunderstood, ceasing a moment and through the years returning 
to destroy, to rage, to curse all that is happy, or contented, or trusting, to threaten every beauty that is true. Grief, it's a quiet thing. Now it says, don't postpone, deny, or cover, or run from your pain. Be with it now. You know, the sooner you allow yourself to be with your pain, the sooner it will pass. The only way out is through your pain. Mm -hmm. Yes, the only way out is through it. You can't, no, we talked about the stages of denial, the stages of grief, and the first is denial. Don't deny your pain. When you resist mourning, you interfere with the body's natural stages of recovery. If you postpone the healing process, grief can return months, even years later, to haunt you, which is what happened to me. With my father passed, I went into denial for... 30 years mm. until I finally, with the help of my therapist, had my time to grieve and, you know, feel the pain, desolation and anger. It's essential to the healing process. You are alive. You will survive. And I think that's some very good advice that they give there. Yeah, that is good. And um, with that, I'll pass over to Christy and uh, let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Um, so with me, um, I know we've discussed this before. A lot of my research um, has been on my own. I, you know, it's funny that your y'all's therapist has suggested and encouraged you to read so many books. I've mm. never had mine tell me, oh, read this or that. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've always just kind of gone on Amazon and trying to find something that, you know, uh, fits whatever it is that I'm going through, mm -hmm. but, um, and, and maybe I've had books given to me, but so this one book that I read and I have to tell you, I think I was 15, maybe even 14 at the time. So it was a little over my head, but, um, it's called the fear of success. And it was written by a psychiatrist, uh, I think in like 1980, so basically, I have had a history of self-sabotage. Relationships, um, you know, success and whatever it is, I, I tell you, I, I would bite my nose off to spite my face. So a friend of mine gave me this book and was like, you know, I think you really need to read this, you know, because it's like, uh, referring to basically your self-esteem, your self-opinion, your self-worth, not thinking that you deserve the good, you know, so you ruin it before it doesn't happen. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, a very, um, confusing thing, but unless you've maybe been through it, it's, um, it's kind of, difficult because like I, I hadn't realized that that's what I did. Um, and, and like I said, when I read this book, I, I must've been like 14 or 15. So I, I don't think I comprehended it fully until later in my life. Um, however, it, it, it actually did help a lot. Um, later when I realized what I was doing, maybe I was in denial, you know, um, about how I was. And then, um, Another book I read that a, a good friend of mine told me to read was called The Secret. And it's just a book about 
really the way you think into the universe, um, kind of like positive affirmations, but like maybe situationally speaking, or like, um, I am going to heal. I am going to get through this. Um, this is going to pass. This is not going to last forever. I can be successful at my job. And like kind of telling yourself these things over and over so you change your way of thinking. So in a way, it was like a, um, now there's parts of it that I don't agree with, you know, but I, I guess nobody's 100% on everything. But because um, like, you know how there's some books like they say, oh, just uh, dream that you'll become rich and successful and you will. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You've got to work for that. You know, that doesn't just Course. happen. Sure. Or I'd be a genie, you know, mm-hmm. and I could just right. snap my fingers or <laughs> twiddle my nose or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that one was, you know, kind of half and half. And then, um, but this next book that I'm going to discuss, and if I know you guys have listened to my story, um, this was probably the most, and I've, I've read this book probably three times, but this is probably the most um, helpful for myself book that I've ever read um, called The Courage to Heal by um, two authors, Ellen Bass and Laura Davis. And it's basically a guide for women who have survived, you know, sexual abuse as a child. Um, and there is also a workbook that you can use with it. But um, ironically, my mom gave it to me and I read it. And, um, you know, like I had discussed before, um, when something like that happens to you, you, you actually lose your own youth, your innocence, life it's kind of like they take away your childhood you're not a child anymore at that point like it it does something to your brain where um and and john i know you said like you know how we've talked about when we lose someone and and people say oh i feel like a part of me died but Mm -hmm. we didn't die but it's like it kind of feels that way right you know and Absolutely. so, yeah, the old you, the okay. original you is just not the yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So it's like you have to kind of restructure the way you think and the way you feel and, um, you know, not blaming yourself, knowing that it's not your fault, knowing that um, you didn't do anything to perpetuate these situations you know, because we have a tendency to blame ourselves, but losing your, your innocence in, in your childhood, it's, it's not a good thing. And, um, so that's really something that in a way, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I I did grieve it. I did grieve not being able to see life as an innocent child should be able to because that's not fair i mean you know and i feel bad for anyone who's gone through that um but anyway i've also given this book to a couple of my friends who maybe had nieces or you know relatives that have gone through it and um it has helped them as well so 
Um, Always good to pass along a good book. It is. It is. I mean, just like I actually have like three books for me that I need to read. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, I, know I piled them up on yeah. you. I know. No, no, no. I, I'm a book hoarder. So yeah. I love good. reading. It's, you know, for a while I stopped because, mm-hmm. you know, with depression, you lose interest in those mm-hmm. things that you love. But yeah. I, I, next to music, reading is my other. Mm-hmm. I used to have like three books going at once. Yeah. Yeah. And now, Hmm. I'm working on it. Okay. Well, I mean, just but, same. Yeah. Same here. There's still plenty that I need to get to. Yeah. Well, I'm learning a lot. Like with books that you guys have read mm-hmm. are very much something that I want to read. Mm-hmm. They, they sound very, um, you know, beneficial and, and enlightening and encouraging. And, you know, that's the thing. It seems like, you know, we all have this, this connection in that, uh, you know, especially at this point in our lives that we read a lot of uh, self-help type books. Right. You know, I, I was <laughs> never, I, I hate to say it. I mean, John, I wish I was more like you or you've been a, a reader all your life. I, I mean, I guess when I was younger, I was, you know, I was just so much more into music. I didn't really have interest in much else. So I couldn't say that I wasn't into reading or anything so much, but, you know, you just read, uh, you know, you're in high school, you know, you read the required stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. We've all pretty much read the, the Shakespeare. Which yes. Yeah. I was Animal, just thinking Macbeth yeah. when you said that. Animal Farm, <laughs> The Great Gatsby, Scarlet Letter, Lord of the Flies, Slaughterhouse-Five, Of Mice and Men, Brave oh, New I like World. That. I mean, they were, I, I really enjoyed Of Mice and Men Me and Lord of the Flies. But, you know, I, maybe it was the the requirements then, right. you, know, the, you know, the write a book report about it. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get into the, you know, what is the author into. saying or, you know, yeah. what is the author trying to illustrate here? I just wanted to read it and enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I guess I just, I wanted to, you know, I didn't necessarily look to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And now I guess I read more to, you well, know, to enjoy of, the entire experience. Yeah, it was an assignment. And now at least, yeah, I can just go and look for what I want to look for and just read and enjoy. And also because I'm still, you know, I'm into biographies and autobiographies. Um, I love reading about the life of Jane Goodall. She's just a fascinating and inspirational person to me. And I just I'm looking to expand. I, I really haven't been into novels uh, as much. But uh, again, you know, time Time is on my side. I'm still a young enough guy that I can I can get into all the stuff that I'd, I'd like to grow into. You're very young. <laughs> so can I say something? Yeah, sure. Because Absolutely. I just I remembered a book that I... No, please. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this book that I read called Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's by John Townsend. Mm-hmm. And um, if you know me, it's obvious why I read it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you don't, it's because I have problems setting boundaries. Oh. Um, you know, like I want to say yes to everything. I'll mm. overload myself mm-hmm. or over um, obligate myself. Um, I have to learn and, and I've gotten better at it. Um, and I might go about it in different ways to set the boundaries, but I need to do whatever I need to do to make it healthy for myself. Mm. But yeah, this book is, and there's like boundaries with teenagers, you know, boundaries in general, Mm -hmm. like you, there's all kinds of them. And it's just a really, really good book. Um, And it really does help you to um, understand why you have 
problem mm. setting boundaries yeah. because a lot of it is because you are, I'll talk about myself because I don't want anyone to be mad at me. Oh boy. That's you know? a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just silly. Cause you know what? They're going to live. Yeah. If I say no, the sun will come up the next day. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in a rude way. I'm just saying, um, and then, you know, like, yeah, if I say, if I say no, they're going to hate me. Yep, and, I felt that. And I've had people where even family members were, if I say no, and then they just go off on me yeah. like I'm evil. I don't know love. They're going to be mad blah, blah, blah. at you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Here's a saying I have, NMP, not my problem. Right. <laughs> That's all on them. Of course. I can't, and I have internalized it, but I choose not to do so anymore yeah. because that's not me. That's not my fault that they, you know, react that way. Yeah. Um, but I know that I have to set boundaries for myself or I will, you know, land in a, um, you know, an, a very complicated manner of which I don't mm. want to be trapped no. into. Well, you know, desperately wanting people's approval is part mm -hmm. of being a highly sensitive person. Yes. That is a mm -hmm. major number one characteristic. Oh, wow. Wanting yes. people's approval, mm -hmm. not wanting to make people mad at you, mm -hmm. wanting to do um, what people, people want. People pleasing. Yeah. People pleasing yeah. is a highly sensitive person. High, number one characteristic. Thank you for, mm. for We all have that. that. I have that too. Mm -hmm. Yep, me too. And I don't like it. I'm going to tell you. No, I don't. I, I, I see people that have no problem just, you know, tell, saying what they have to say and just saying no. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'd like to read a book like that because, mm -hmm. um, you know, the books that I've read, I feel like they've helped me so much. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you can apply and you, you take on the practice of applying what you learn, right. you can make major changes in your life. And it's mm -hmm. not even just in your, your basic self, uh, you know, just your, your own personal growth. But when it comes to grieving, because some of these books that I've read, I, they, they just made me more aware of myself and my feelings and how to not be afraid of them. And, you know, that's, that's one thing. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I, I have felt that before. I felt afraid. To say no to somebody, like you said, like they're just going to, they're not going to, they're going to be mad at me. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a problem now. Uh, and we've discussed And I've this, never like, understood that. So I should read that book. Well, and we're both, you, John, you probably are too, but we're pacifists. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, one in particular that I've dealt with is more like a steamroller. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like the complete opposite of what I am. Right. And that's why I've had such an issue with caving in, mm. but it got to a point where I actually ended up in a very compromising situation financially mm -hmm. um, and mentally and emotionally. And I had to just sever. I had to sever from that person because yeah. it was in all areas of my life. It was hurting me. Yeah. Well, I don't think I need that right now or ever, no. to be honest with you. That's how do you treat people like that? You that's not right, you know? No. But and I know that people that do that are hurting like hurting people hurt people. Yeah. But I I don't want to participate in that anymore. Oh no. And these, you know, these are concepts that I, I well, I mean, of course, we're talking about many years, but as a younger mm -hmm. person, I never could have understood this no. conceptually. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the reading that I do now would have been a bit over my head. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm okay with the fact that it took me until I was 40 to become a reader. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. at least I did. 
Um, but we learn so much about ourselves and we learn so much about others. We learn more about the world. I think we just learn how to cope better, you know, like all the benefits mm-hmm. that, you know, there's just, I just mentioned some of the benefits mm-hmm. of reading. Um, but I've got something I'm, I want to follow in, uh, John's footsteps from last week where he posed a, uh, a fill in the blank uh, oh, no. for the panel. Uh-oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you two can fight it out uh, to see who, who would like to start. So <laughs> this comes from the uh, uh, very, uh, very popular and famous uh, podcaster and uh, karaoke jockey, Gerard Stefanelli. Ooh, my favorite. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, uh, yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> He's getting more popular. (laughs) All right. So here we go. Fill in the blank here. Reading has made me blank. Smarter. Ah, okay. It's made you smarter. Right, because it does. I mean, it just fills us up with knowledge. And it has expanded my mind to Mm. be open to things that I would have perhaps earlier in my life not been open to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to leave it vague or be specific? You can do what you can say, whatever you want. You can be vague or specific. I don't care. Well, whatever you like. So we all know how I was raised. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I mean, I don't mean this again in any derogatory way, but mm-hmm. a lot of the books that were referred to me were of a religion mm. based, you know, writing belief system, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, most of them didn't really speak to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I actually, and I don't even know how I, I, I think what I would do is just put in like, you know, peaceful life, <laughs> you know, um, letting go, um, you know, not letting motions over emotions overtake you. Like I would search for books with those kind of a mm-hmm. theme to them. Yeah. And so I actually have like dabbled into like, um, I think we talked about this last time, but like um, Chinese proverbs, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of Buddhism. I don't know much about it, but I know a little bit of it. We'll get you there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't land here by mistake. That's did right. I? No, you didn't. So um, I've, I've actually become extremely open to different ideas and concepts. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have an issue with exploring Mm. things like that, you know? Okay. Um, I'm not like this rigid person. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're flexible. (laughs) I am. All right. So I think that that's really good. That is very good. You shouldn't limit yourself. More knowledgeable and smarter. All righty. John, this goes now to you. Reading has made me Curious. Oh, reading has oh, made me okay. curious. Hmm. Yes, since I was um, an early reader, mm-hmm. uh, I was reading. You know, as soon as uh, you know, in um, the first adult book I read, Tom Sawyer, when I was in eighth grade, um, it has made me curious um, about the world, mm-hmm. about the world beyond my own neighborhood. You know, beyond. Mm. New Jersey, beyond being a suburban Catholic, uh, that there was a whole world out there of different cultures and people mm-hmm. and, and that um, I could access this world with just a book before I could do it myself when I got older, um, before I could even drive a car. Um, I, c- I could eat breakfast. 
um, in Paris and I could eat lunch in Morocco or dinner in um, Rio de Janeiro, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, just from my bedroom. It was liberating. It was informative and it made me curious about everything. Um, When I was younger, um, whenever I went to the mall with my mom and we went every Wednesday and every Saturday, I would go to the KB store and I would say, mom, buy me this, mom, buy me that. And she would say, no, 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 no. My mom was very, um, we were, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of money. And my mom didn't always, in, didn't really indulge me too much. But we always went to Woolworths, was in the old Menlo Park Mall. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, a uh, book bin with like uh, the, you know, the cheap books that they were selling. And she would always let me buy a book, though, every week. Because she Aww. was really interested very, very much in my education. So I could buy a book every week. And sometimes I bought books that I could read. Sometimes I bought books that were just totally beyond me. At the, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old. And one of the books I bought was called um, If They Come in the Morning. And it has had this picture on the front, a black and white picture of a profile of a black woman. Fierce looking black woman with this huge, giant afro. And it was by Angela Davis. At the time, I had absolutely no idea who Angela Davis was. Yeah. All I knew was it had a great title and this just, you know, fierce looking woman on it. And I was like, I got to get this book. So my mom got it for me and I have no idea why she got it for me. And <laughs> I sat on my bookshelf for 20 years, 20 years before I serious? actually read it. Wow. Yeah. That's hilarious. Wow. I just I just always kept it because I loved the book. But mm-hmm. I was a teenager and I, I still had no idea who Angela Davis was or interested in the book sat in there while I was in my 20s. It still sat in there. And then finally, when I was in my 30s, I said, I think it's time I read this book <laughs> that I saved ever since I lived. I had moved twice and I still kept the book. So I read it and I was like, wow, this Angela Davis woman is really interesting. She was um, part of the civil rights movement in the 70s. She was on the run to, to murder as a fugitive for um, in the Black Panthers for a murder that this man was accused of who was actually was innocent. And uh, she was a great leader of the civil rights. She was a college professor at the time, very educated, very smart woman, a great story. She's still a teacher now at the uh, University of Santa Barbara, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, her story was incredible. And thinking that um, I had this book for so many years, 25 years probably before I read it. And what made me get it because I was just so curious about who is this woman on the front of this cover that looks so amazing to me. And that was about the curiosity of, of books to me that I would keep yeah. this book for 25 years <clears throat> and still want to read it and then yeah. be just blown away by her. And I, now I follow her on Facebook. Oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so there's a connection from, you know, 1979 to Holy 2021. Cow. And uh, it's all because of that, curiosity I had about that book nice amazing that's neat. good john yes. thank you all thank right you. so it's time for mine yes what is yours okay reading has made me a better listener interesting so, yes and i'll explain that sit there with the book in your hand and even though you're reading in your head you're hearing your own voice mm-hmm. but you're absorbing the words of someone else you're paying attention to what someone else has to say. No longer interested so much in what my answers and what my responses are going to be to things. I have become much more content to just sit back and listen. 
as evidenced by the fact that I thoroughly enjoy sitting back listening to the two of you. I thoroughly enjoy sitting back and listening to what my therapist has to say without the overwhelming urge of wanting to get to my turn to what I have to say. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with not talking that much, uh, not like I used to be. And I, if, if it's, it's comforting. I feel much more at ease about conversations, much more at ease about a lot of things. I, I feel like this has just made me better in so many ways. It's definitely allowed my therapy sessions to go uh, much better than they, they ever went before. It's allowed me to just find that place in myself where I can, you know, like as in, in, in meditation, where I can just be silent and I can just be enjoying what is going on, absorbing, listening to what others have to say. I, I love picking up a book and just going, okay, you talk. Even like I said, even though it's weird because it's my voice in my head, <laughs> still it, so. I'm, I'm reading what someone else is saying, and that mm -hmm. it's really been a great benefit to my life. I'm a better listener. It's very interesting. It's you an important thing. It's important to be a good listener. It is. Yeah. It is. This has really been a fun one. Yes, yeah. it has. I've really good. thoroughly enjoyed this, and I guess we're gonna probably exchange some ideas back and forth about. And John, you've you've read like tons and tons of books from all different. Uh, areas. Uh, you, you're, yeah. are you, you're a big novel reader. You're a big uh, nonfiction reader. Yeah, I started out mainly reading novels when, when I was younger and teenager in my 20s. And then I switched over to mainly nonfiction in mm -hmm. my 30s and 40s. Yes. So I, I, I like to read biographies. And I like to read current event books. Yeah. yeah. History books. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always admired that about you because you are what we consider to be very well read. You're a very well informed person. And uh, I've always, always admired that. I've always probably even for a time uh, a bit jealous of the fact that, the, you know, I remember you and uh, Stu and maybe mm -hmm. even our friend Fred, you know, back and forth about uh, different books that you had read. And I always mm -hmm. just through, you know, no fault of yours, through my fault of my own, I, I felt like I didn't fit in because I was always yeah. so much more into music and other things. I didn't, I never got into the reading, but at least now we can have these conversations. We can have these exchanges and uh, interactions about books that we've read mm. and things that we'd like to go back and sure. forth about. And, you know, cause I was, I, I was into poetry, you know, mm -hmm. to a degree, I was into the poetry of Rumi and uh, Pablo, Pablo Neruda, who is my favorite poet. And uh, I like being able to read poetry to somebody. So oh, listen to this or just tell somebody, go read this on your own. It's, it, and, and then knowing that they have and then, the, you know, we can come back to it. I think mm -hmm. that's a great experience. Yeah. I'm glad to be a part of it now. Absolutely. It's never too late, like you said. No. No, never. Yeah. I started reading real young, like in elementary school. Yeah. Oh, I did. Of course, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. But I always yeah. had a book checked out from the library. And hmm. as soon as I was done, I was getting another one. That's yeah. great. I, wish I know, I me too. Same. <laughs> right? I and I love kid, the feeling yeah. of books, don't you? I just love the, I love the smell of a new yes, me too. book. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh. Yes. Love that smell. It's terrible, but I will spend the extra few bucks just to have the hardback. Me too. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the okay, hardback yeah. and with mm -hmm. the, and a new oh, a new book with, yeah, the ink smell and yeah. the... I just love it. But yeah, um, but I went from obviously fiction because mm -hmm. I was young. Yeah. Um, and then as I grew up and I was reading the, the self-help books, mm -hmm. remember I told you I'd have like a few books going at a time. Yeah. So let's say I had a self-help book and then I had like a psychological thriller mm -hmm. like, yeah, at right. the same time. <laughs> so then it evened it out. Yeah, yeah. of course. Because it can get heavy sometimes it sure with can. the self-help. It can. 
Yeah. It's a lot to absorb. It is. And you know, but I, it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I read a lot when I was younger, but maybe because my, okay. my mother, my mother read oh. to me, Oh. you know? And nice. so, I mean, I'm talking young, that's young. Cute. So I could, I could read and I could spell at mm -hmm. a young age. I was, I was a little on the advanced side when I was like, uh, you know, from that. three to six, you know, a couple of years they wanted to, uh, at my school, I think it was in kindergarten and first grade, they wanted to bump me up a grade. Oh, gosh. But, uh -huh. you know, my father said no, because he's not mature enough yet. And he, he, that mm -hmm. one year is a big difference. And mm -hmm. I'm glad he had that kind of it insight is. into it. Um, oh, but my point was that, you know, my mother read to me a lot. And, you know, I was very interested in it for a time until, you know, I got a little bit older, the pre-teen years and teen years, and then it just became all about music to me. And that's what I would spend my time doing. And, you know, John, you, you know, I've talked to you about this. Mm -hmm. I would go into my room and just, you know, sing for two, three hours, you know, as mm -hmm. opposed to go into my room and read for two, three hours. And I would do this every single day. But now at least things are more balanced. And there are plenty of books I want to get to. And so let's, let's definitely keep our... Uh, Let's keep our communication open so we can keep exchanging ideas because I, I love I like what that. I've heard from both of sure. you so far. And I'd Good. like to read mm -hmm. some of the books that you've both mentioned. So we'll have to get on that and, uh, you know, expand this even more. All right. War and Peace that by next good. week, everybody. Well, yeah. oh. Okay. What is it? 86,000 pages? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 87. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to read that, John? Um, it took me about six months. Wow. Yeah. It took oh me gosh. a while. Oh I'm gosh. not a fast reader. I like Me to soak okay. it up. Me too. Yeah. I like to soak oh. it in. Yeah. That that book is like an as big as an outdoor seat cushion. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> about 1,800 pages. Is it really that Ooh. many? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. But you know what? It it must be it must be great if it if it was you were able to stay. Yeah. On well, it. it it really is overrated as far as its difficulty. It's like a giant soap opera, really. Okay. Oh, yeah. is it? It's like a oh, giant okay. soap opera. All these mm -hmm. all these these families interact. And it's like, this one's in love with this one. This one's in love with that one. This one uh, has an affair okay. on that one. It yeah. really is. It's like Young and the Restless, like, it, oh, so it, I, like put yeah. into a novel. So we've seen yeah. it. We just not mm -hmm. that particular one. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a bunch of Russians and Napoleon going around and sleeping with each other. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that can really make your day. Yeah. The hard for, ones are, for are Dostoevsky. That yeah. is the one that has the big books that are difficult. They mm -hmm. are the psychological thrillers oh, in like Russia. Those. That, that's mm. the hard ones. Like, wow. Yeah. The Brothers Karamazov took me nine months to read, and it's only oh boy. like 900 wow. pages. But it's so hard to read. You read 10 pages, and your mind starts to melt. Yeah. You know, you have to read it so, so, so many small portions at one time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I will never read that book again in my life. You mm. couldn't wow. pay me to read that book again. I love the book, <laughs> but I would never but read once it was, again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once is more than enough. Yeah, because yeah. there, there are definitely some books like, you know, like the Michael Singer book that I mentioned, The Untethered Soul. I had lent it to someone and I, and I never got it back. So I, I actually just got it. I, I just ordered it. It's sitting right here next to me. Unfortunately, it doesn't. I'm going to read it again because it doesn't have some, you know, of course, the highlighting. And uh, I always like to go over those things that I highlight uh, from time to time. If I'm having, you know, if I'm having a difficult time with something or if there's just something I want to show someone, if my mind can lock into it, I can go, oh, you know, this book. I think I can find this thing that might relate to what you're going through or what we're talking about. And I like to be able to do that. And I also like to take this stuff to my therapist and talk to her about what this means to me and just, you know, That's see nice. what she has yeah. to say about it because she's always, always great for the, the insight. Oh, she's always right on top of everything. She really is. Yeah. I'm so glad she got me into reading. Mm -hmm. Oh, praise Carol. Yes. <laughs> 
So this is really, yeah, like I said, this has really been enjoyable. Uh, anyone got anything else? Uh, just uh, follow Angela Davis on Facebook and you'll be very inspired by her. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Thank that's you. It. Yes. All righty. I'm good. Okay. Yep. So uh, we thank all of our listeners again for uh, tuning in. And uh, what I'd like to just say in conclusion here is that if you are not much of a reader, do your best to become one. Remember all the benefits that we've spoken of throughout this podcast and uh, teach this to your children. It's never too late to take advantage of the many physical and psychological benefits waiting for you in the pages of a good book. It'll get you that much closer, that much more capable and prepared on your journey from grief to greatness. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again soon.